Some people seem to be experts at pretending to be something that they're not. Take Malachi Love Robinson, for example. A couple of months ago, he was arrested at the medical practice that he'd been running in Florida. The problem was Malachi was actually only 18 years old. And he had absolutely no medical training or qualifications, but he was pretending to be a doctor. Amazingly, this was not the first time that he'd been caught impersonating a doctor either. Last January, when he was only 17, Malachi was caught wandering around a local hospital wearing one of those white lab coats, interacting with patients and introducing himself as an anesthesiologist. I can hardly say that word, never mind pretending to be one. The frightening thing is that although Malachi is probably one of the youngest to have pretended and treated patients without any medical training, he's not the only one. A few years ago, I don't know if you remember this in the newspapers, in the UK, there was a woman called Venetia Sharma who was prosecuted because she was working as a dentist for the last nine years in various hospitals. And then he found out that her qualifications were all completely fake. She had no, no dental qualifications at all. And then last April, a dental practice in Dublin was forced to close after a Hungarian man who was working there as a dentist was found to have been struck off the dental registry, both, both in Hungary and in the UK. These are really serious issues, aren't they? I don't think any of us would like to go to the doctor or to a dentist. I think probably especially a dentist who hadn't had any training and who didn't have the qualifications to do their work. Counterfeit doctors or, or dentists can be really dangerous. But near the end of his sermon in the, on the mount, Jesus warned us of an even greater danger. Not the danger of going to a counterfeit doctor or a dentist, but of listening to a counterfeit teacher. I'm going to read this passage in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, down to verse 23. It's the second last section in the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognise them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me. You evildoers. There's a story about two preachers who were fishing by the side of the river, of, of, of the road, sorry. And after some discussion, they thoughtfully made a sign saying, The end is near. Turn yourself around now before it's too late. 
And they showed it to each passing car. One driver that drove by didn't appreciate this sign and he just shouted at them, Leave us alone, you religious nuts! But just after that, they heard a big splash. They looked at each other and said, one said to the other, You think we should just put up a sign that says, Bridge out, instead? <laughs> Jesus wasn't like that. He didn't use confusing or cryptic language that hid his warning in this passage. Instead, he just said, watch out. This is a clear warning passage. This is one of those passages that we really need to take to heart. We really need to wake up and be on our guard about this issue. This isn't something that we need to take light, that we should ever take lightly. We need all of our discernment and our tension for this one. This is not part of the sermon that we should be sleeping through. That's because Jesus is warning us against something that's really dangerous. He says, watch out for false prophets. These are the people who claim some kind of revelation, some kind of inspiration from God. Some God-given role in leading people to Him. But they have not been sent from God. And they are in fact preaching lies. This has often been a problem. Throughout the Old Testament, God challenged His people to listen, not to listen to those who claimed to be prophets, but were not. Those who claimed that divine inspiration, but really were just peddling lies. There are lots of warning in the Old Testament about not to listen to them. For example, Jeremiah. He declared, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. And Jesus said that as time went on, this problem was only going to get worse. For example, in Matthew 24, he warned us that in the last days, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And then when Paul wrote to Timothy in his second letter, he warned him that for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who who will say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll just come along and just say what people are, are eager to hear because they'll be willing to accept it. And I think we can see lots of evidence that this is true today, in these last days. And this is such a serious problem because Jesus said about these false teachers that they are ferocious wolves. These people are extremely dangerous. Now sometimes this is all too obvious. Like what happened on March the 26th, 1997. On that day, 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult took their own lives. Police arrived to find all of their bodies laid out, dressed in black, covered in a purple shroud. 
Their leader was a guy called Marshall Applewhite, who claimed to be a descendant of Jesus. He had told them that their souls were going to leave their bodies and join up with a spaceship that was travelling behind a comet that was passing the earth. And all these people believed him. And they lost their lives because of it. So sometimes it's so obvious. But often that danger of listening to false prophets or false teachers isn't quite so immediately obvious. They're not all as obviously crazy and crazed as guys like Marshall Applewhite. But they're still like ferocious wolves. Because their influence is still deadly. They distort or add to or take away from God's truth. Removing people's confidence in the clear teaching of the Bible and their ability to understand it for themselves. They divide God's people and disrupt church communities. They produce elitist ideas in some while condemning others. They create unrealistic expectations about what God is going to do in their lives, which then set people up to fail and to fall when these hopes are not realised. They tell people that they are saved when they're not saved. Or destroy the assurance of those who are saved. And ultimately they lead people away from faith in Christ. And his finished work on the cross. And so they lead people on that broad road that we were thinking about last week. That broad road that leads to destruction. These false prophets are like ferocious wolves. They are dangerous and deadly. But I think one of the major problems that we have is that on first look, they don't look like ferocious wolves. Jesus said that they come to you in sheep's clothing. They try to appear harmless. Their teaching is dressed up as something comforting, something helpful, something safe. It doesn't look dangerous. In fact, maybe Jesus used this imagery to, because he meant that they appear to be like one of us. They appear, they appear to be members of God's flock. They, they appear to be following the Good Shepherd. They seem to be committed Christians. But they're not. As Jesus warned us in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who appears or who claims to be a follower of Jesus is part of his family. I guess we shouldn't be surprised that people are, who are being deceptive and are trying to pull the wool over our eyes, literally. Because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. The devil is a deceiver. 
If he came and revealed his true nature right away, we would obviously see that. But he comes pretending to be somebody who would bring light and joy and peace into our hearts. But he leads us on that road to destruction. And so this is why these counterfeit prophets and teachers can be so dangerous in our lives. If they came challenging our beliefs, ridiculing our faith, then we could recognize them immediately and just reject their lies. But instead they come as sheep with half-truths, with subtle lies, with teaching that initially sounds consistent with our faith, presented well with a smile on their face. And so it can be so much more difficult to recognize them and be aware of them. And that's especially the case because of the amazing things that some of them can do. Look at verse 22. Look at their claim here. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? And perform many miracles. These false prophets claim to be declaring the truth of Jesus. To be setting people free from demonic possession. In the name of Jesus. And even performing miracles in the power of Jesus. And these are not just Empty, exaggerated claims with no foundation. Jesus actually indicated later on in the Gospel that some of these false prophets and false teachers will have the power to perform miracles in a remarkable and convincing way. Chapter 24, verse 24. Jesus said, For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. These miracles, these signs, these demonstrations of power they will use to claim that that proves that what they're saying is true and that we should listen to them. But Jesus warns us here that no no matter what they are able to do we still should not follow them. This week I'm reading in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses teaching, his last teaching to the, teach, the, the, the children of Israel, just on the, on the, on the shore of, of the river Jordan, just before they go into the promised land, the land of Canaan. And in chapter 13 of that book, Moses says to them this, If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams, appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder. And if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. It is the Lord your God you must follow. It doesn't matter how convincing these false prophets are. It doesn't matter how pious they appear. 
or how magnetic their personality or how useful their ministry or even how powerful their signs and wonders and miracles. If they don't declare God's truth, then they are counterfeit. They are fake. And we mustn't follow them. Miracles, signs, wonders is, are not proof that somebody's working for God. Jesus said it in the New Testament. Moses warned about it in the Old. We need to be aware of that, folks. So we must not follow them, but we also must be careful that we're not like them. Some, some of these false prophets are basically just con artists. Peter warned about them in, in 2 Peter chapter 2. He says, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories that they've made up. They're just there to take advantage of vulnerable people and peddle their lies so they get rich. They're just doing it for money. But others seem sincerely to believe that what they're doing is from God. There seems a real sense of shock and astonishment when some of them say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? They will wonder, how can this be? How is it possible that we don't belong to you? How is it possible that we've not been serving you? Well, as Paul writes to Timothy, these people are deceiving and they are also being deceived. They are like blind guides. They have been leading the blind in the wrong direction all those years because they didn't know any better because they were blind themselves. And eventually both of them will fall into the pit. But this brings up this challenge for us in this passage about the possibility of being a counterfeit Christian. Some people on the day of judgment will be shocked when they hear Jesus say to them, away from me, you evildoers. They will be shocked and stunned because they claimed to profess Jesus as Lord. They thought that they were on the narrow road They presumed that they were members of God's family and that they would enter into heaven. But they were wrong. Instead they were on that broad road that leads to destruction. They are lost. And they're outside of God's kingdom. Jesus said the reason is because they didn't have any relationship with him. They don't know him. Story read, I read recently about a man who thought he, would, he had a great way to get into a really great parking space at a New York Yankees baseball game. He pulled his car into the VIP car park at the stadium and casually told the car park attendant that he was a friend of John or George Steinbrenner, who's the owner of the Yankees. Unfortunately for him, the car park attendant that day was George Steinbrenner. 
he was doing some investigation of traffic problems at the stadium. And you can imagine, he didn't get his car park space. (laughs) Counterfeit teachers will deceive many people. Counterfeit Christians might even deceive themselves. But on the day of judgment, when Jesus is the ultimate judge, he won't be fooled. Jesus will not be fooled. He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Those who don't have any relationship with Jesus, those who haven't genuinely put their trust in him, no matter what they have done in their life, no matter how many times they have preached or prophesied in Jesus' name, or done great miracles expressing wonderful power, they will be separated from him forever. On that day it will be too late. There will be no opportunity for grace. And so that's why we need to be sure that we only listen to the truth. That's why we need to be sure that of where we stand with Jesus. As Peter encourages us, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. We need to be sure that we are genuine in our faith in Christ and that we truly belong to Christ. Because we don't want to wait for that shock on that day of judgment. So how can we be sure? What is there in this passage that encourages us to know if we are truly belonging to Christ or not? Well, in just the the first half of last year, so that's 2015, more than 450,000 counterfeit euro notes were removed from circulation. Now, I don't want you all to be going looking in your purses and your wallets now to make sure what you've got. But the ECB tells us that you can tell if the money you have is is genuine or not. The way that they'd say is through the feel and the the look and the tilt method. By how the the paper feels, then by looking up to the light and you can see some of the security features, and then by tilting it because there's a portrait of Europa that appears in a transparent window. You can try it later. So what tests do we have to see if the teachers that we listen to are real or not? What tests do we have to test our own life, to see if we are genuinely belonging to Christ or not? Well, Jesus said that we do this by looking and listening carefully, because by their fruit, you will recognize them. This is a simple lesson from nature. The easiest way to recognize a fruit tree, if you know nothing about gardening, these like I do, is to look at the weight, and wait for the fruit tree to ripen, and then you can tell an apple tree. Really easy, because it's got apples on it. Or an orange tree, because it's got oranges on it. Because in nature, you don't get grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles. Trees only bear fruit that is consistent with its identity. And in the same way, people only produce fruit that is consistent with their nature. 
Every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. The fruit of our lives doesn't determine who we are. An apple doesn't make that tree an apple tree. But the fruit of our lives reveals who we are. It reveals if we have put our faith in Jesus or not. When we look and we see the apple, we can recognise that it's an apple tree. And in the same way in our lives. Jesus believes that genuine faith will always transform our lives. Now none of us will live this out perfectly. And fruit always takes time to develop. It doesn't arrive instantly. But if we have put our faith in Jesus, then our lives will never be the same. It's not that being different and living a different kind of life will save us. Because it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are saved by receiving that undeserved gift from God. The gift of his mercy and love won for us by by Jesus on the cross. But if we have received this gift of grace, if we have truly been born again by his Holy Spirit, then God will begin the process of producing his fruit in our lives. as evidence that we are known by him and that we've been accepted by him. By our fruit, people should be able to recognise us. By our fruit, we should be able to recognise others. So what kind of fruit should we see in us and in other people? Well, just simply two categories. There's the fruit of our lips. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so our words, our doctrines, our beliefs, that's evidence of whether we belong to Christ or not. Early in the sermon, Jesus said, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Genuine teachers from God will always share truth that is based on and that's consistent with God's word. Always. If they stand up and teach something that would be directly against what God says in his word, then they are not genuine teachers from God. And genuine believers will always seek to be thoroughly biblical in what they believe and what they share. Like the people of Berea who were commended because they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's our job. No matter who it is who stands up here on a Sunday morning, it's our job to examine the scriptures and see if it's true or not. And if anybody says anything that contradicts God's word, they are wrong. And we shouldn't listen to what they're saying. But we also need to look at the fruit of our and other people's lives as well. 
That's because Jesus said that we can recognize if someone is part of God's kingdom because he does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I think this is one of the major and one of the most challenging aspects of this whole Sermon on the Mount. Those who have put their faith in Jesus, those who have trusted in him, those who have received this wonderful, undeserved gift of grace and love and forgiveness and mercy. Jesus expects us that we'll live a different kind of life. As we've seen down through this, past, this sermon, that they'll be different in our attitudes, expressing poverty in spirit. Repentance over sinfulness, meekness, a desire for righteousness, a love of mercy and purity and peace. That's what we saw in the Beatitudes, wasn't it? Then we'll also be different in our influence. Being salt and light in a decaying and dark world. We'll be different in our righteousness. We'll seek to obey God genuinely in our hearts rather than just in mere outward conformity to rules and regulations. We'll be different in our worship because we'll focus on serving and connecting with God instead of just performing in front of others. We'll be different in our treasures because we'll be seeking heavenly riches and not earthly ones. We'll be different in our ambition because we will seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness and not worry about our needs or our desires. And we'll be different in our relationships. We'll be critical of ourselves but compassionate to others. And we'll express complete dependence on God and be willing to go against the flow. This sermon that Jesus teaches here doesn't set an incredibly high standard for a few super-Christians who would then go and lead others. This is simply the different kind of life, the different character that Jesus expects to see in every single one of us who have trusted in Jesus. Not that we'll all, that any of us will produce this instantly. And certainly none of us will produce this perfectly in our lives. But this is the fruit of our faith that will grow and that will develop in all of our lives as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. So I think this is the challenge that Jesus gives to us here. Yes, we need to be careful that the people that we allow to teach us are genuinely living for God and sharing God's truth. That's so crucially important. Whether it's who speaks in this church or who we listen to on the internet or which books that we read or which conversations we have, we need to be careful. We need to watch out That we don't let anybody who is not a genuine follower of Jesus and and speaker for Jesus speaks into our life. But we also need to be careful. 
that we as individuals have also genuinely accepted Jesus in our lives as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. And that we are living out this different kind of life that God has called us to. I pray that none of us will miss this warning. But instead, by looking at the fruit of what God has done in our lives, we'll be more and more sure of his grace. That God has accepted us, that God has adopted us, and that God is working in us to transform us to the likeness of his Son by the power of his Holy Spirit and for his glory.